0: Thank you, Nicole. Good morning. Um, By the way, if you have questions about getting re-baptized, that may have, like, I don't know, theologically triggered some of you. Um, Ooh, what is that? Uh, Yeah, we should talk about that. That, That's actually kind of a big deal. Baptism, um, yeah, it's an incredible expression of surrendering to Jesus acknowledging who God is and what he's done for us um, and dying for us conquering sin and death coming back to life and then inviting us to follow him lose our own lives die to ourselves so that we can be raised up with Christ in this life but ultimately in the life to come that we might experience eternal life life in relationship with our creator um, and that's what baptism means It's this incredible public, uh, holistic declaration of that. And as Nicole said, um, for some of you, you might be like, well, I did that when I was an infant or like way, way back in the day. But what might it mean for me as an adult? And what are the theological implications of that? What, what does the Bible actually say about baptism? Um, whatever you want to do. Um, if you feel like, oh, I need to get baptized, or, or maybe that whole like being baptized as a believing adult thing, I think it might apply to me. No one's going to pressure anyone into doing anything, but it could be a great opportunity just for a conversation. Actually delve into the scriptures and like look at it. Um, that's what we call discipleship. So there you go. Um, let's get right into God's word, shall we? Okay, I want to read something to you. Um in way of introduction, because we've been working our way through a, a series of teachings that we've entitled Life in the Spirit. This is what Jesus says in the book of John, chapter seven, verse thirty-seven on the last day of the feast, the great day, we're talking about the feast of booths, Jesus stood up and cried out If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or her heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the spirit whom those whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the spirit had not been given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So all the way back... In John chapter 7, Jesus began to talk about this life that those who believed in him were to receive as like living water being poured into our hearts. It was a metaphor that Jesus used a lot to talk about the Holy Spirit who would be poured out that we might experience relationship with him. Just like his disciples, in a way, just like his disciples experienced relationship with him as they walked with him, spent time with them as they ab- abided, abode, abided with him. We received the Spirit. So this is what we've been talking about, and it's such an exciting subject because so oftentimes, I think in in church settings or religious settings, depending upon what your experiences are or have been, we can sometimes reduce Christianity down to a set of uh, just. Moral ethics. And whereas morality is actually a big part of following Jesus, he has some very definite and sometimes extreme things to say about how we're living our lives. What we're doing with our time, money, bodies, etc. And that's ethics. It's Christian morality. It's not just that. Jesus invites us into this life. This journey, this adventure of daily getting up, losing our life, and experiencing more of his life in all sorts of practical ways. But in a holistic sense, it's, it's meant to actually encompass our lives. And that's super exciting. Could you imagine following Jesus in that way? Where it's like, when you get up in the morning, you're like, Lord, what do you want to do today? What, what would you say to me? What works have you prepared for me? How do you want to heal me? What sort of freedom do you have for me? And who do you want to, 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 to work on today? How do you want to involve me in the work that you're doing in the world around me? And all of these things, this is life in the spirit. This is what we're invited to. So there's the introduction. This is what we've been talking about. Now, today specifically, we're going to talk about gifts of the Spirit. So, turn with me, if you will, Mm. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the text will be on the screen. Um, Of course, you are more than welcome to open your Bible or turn it on and follow with me. Let me pray for us. Lord, help us. Holy Spirit, you are a teacher. You're the one who reveals truth to us as we look uh, to the very words that you yourself authored as you used human vessels. Lord, I pray that this morning as we we look at what is sometimes considered to be a controversial subject within the church, Lord, that you would help us. This would not just be an exercise in controversy, but that we would experience uh, more of your life. In Jesus' name, amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, it's an old word for you, you know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the spirit of god ever says jesus is accursed and no one can say jesus is lord except in the holy spirit now there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of service but the same lord and there are varieties of activities but it is the same god who empowers them all in everyone to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, the utterance of wisdom. And to another, the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, a prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members and all the members of the body... Though many are one body, so it is with Christ, the many and the one. Let's stop there. Question, what's the best gift you've ever received? What's the worst gift you've ever received? Maybe not say that one out loud. What's the weirdest gift you've ever received? Those are my favorite. (laughs) Those gifts that aren't like bad, not super great, but just you don't quite know what to do with. Anyone got a good one? This is kind of like, uh, what did they call it? Share, share and tell? Storytelling time? Come on, someone's got to have a good one. What, okay, what's the best gift you've ever received? Teddy. teddy. I also had a little teddy growing up. But you're referring to your son. Yeah, he's a good one. Where is the little Teddy? He's in, he's in the room. By the way, parents, we have a, a makeshift nursery in the corner there. Um, you're very welcome to use it at any point. Your little one may need uh, to get away. Okay, Teddy, anyone ever like, I don't know, college tuition, a car, a house? House, That would be that would be quite a gift. Anyone? Come on. The best or weirdest? The best, okay, sorry. <laughs> that, that's a great gift, that's a great gift. And good to know, good to know, we need to bust out the karaoke one of these days. We should be good at it. You know, Christians, we kind of practice like a sort of spiritual karaoke every week. I'm sorry, totally inappropriate. Okay. Um, My parents are here this morning, um, which is very special. They're visiting from out of town. They've given me some incredible gifts over the year. Um, Gifts, receiving and using the gifts that we've been given um, is part of experiencing life in the spirit. Concerning spiritual gifts. We're talking about participating in The receiving and giving of gifts. And there's something about that that actually embodies the the very heart of God himself. God is a gift giver. Our heavenly father is generous. And when we join in the joy of giving and utilizing the gifts for the good of others as the children of God, we're embodying the generosity of God. We're reflecting something of God's nature himself. And that actually is worship. And that's, that's where the action's at. That's life in the spirit. When we're using the things that we've been given to glorify God for the common good of others. So let's, let's, let's unpack. Let's talk about this in greater detail. I want to talk about three things. Number one, I want to talk about the risk of spiritual gifts. Number two, I want to talk about how we determine... Our gifts, because that's always a pretty important question. What are my gifts? And number three, I want to talk about the greatest gift that no one wants. Okay. Let's talk about the risk of spiritual gifts. Number one, everyone's been given a gift, but not all spiritual gifts are equal. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Corinthians that we just read from, he actually goes to great, great lengths to emphasize this point. Everyone's been given a gift, but not all gifts are equal. In fact, he begins um, in his discourse about spiritual gifts, emphasizing that, that you were once led astray by new idols. He's talking to uh, a people who are familiar with spirituality. In fact, we know if you read the rest of the letter to the church in Corinth, the Corinthians were were down with spirituality. Uh, They were really into it, actually. So much so that at times it seemed to become problematic. They They were more into the spiritual experience than they were God himself, it would seem. And so it was a problem. And so he begins by saying, I don't want you to be uninformed you know that when you were once pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. Nor can anyone say Jesus is, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself, when speaking about the Holy Spirit, going back to the Gospel of John, he said that the Spirit who will come will glorify me that's John sixteen fourteen. It's important when we begin any sort of conversation about spiritual gifts to to know that not all spirituality is holy spirituality uh, the world is full of all sorts of spiritual experiences every religion every culture every church ...out there has their version of spiritual experience. Now, I'm not in to standing up in front of a crowd and bashing on anyone else's spiritual experience. Um, I'm going to just simply agree with what, what Paul has laid out. And that is to say that actually there is a difference between just spiritual experience and spirituality, spiritual gifts that actually glorify Jesus... And that we need to understand that not all spirituality is neutral. Just because you have a spiritual experience or you're into spiritualism, it doesn't mean that you're necessarily aligning or experiencing or following or glorifying Jesus. And that's oftentimes where we miss it at the very outset. We, we're, we want to experience more of Whatever it is you might be into. And some of you are like, actually, I don't want any of that. I don't. Weird spiritual experiences make me uncomfortable. They trigger me. I had some bad experiences. I don't even like that we're talking about this. And that's okay. I get that. Others of us perhaps just want to experience more. Maybe we're just bored. Maybe, maybe we're the kind of people who just like to feel And that's fine as well. I tend to lean a bit more that way. I I like the idea of experiencing uh, the presence of God. I want to witness and experience, personally experience healing. Um, I was up early, early this morning pacing my living room, praying in tongues. I long for more experiences of the Holy Spirit present, speaking, moving, working among us, God's people, but we have to be mindful. The point is that our attention would be drawn to Jesus. That, however, we're using the gifts that have been given to us. However, however much we may or may not desire um, the spiritual gifts, the scriptures actually tell us that we should desire the spiritual gifts. Paul says that explicitly in a couple of chapters. But wherever we're at with that, personality-wise, we need to remember that not all spirituality is equal. We're talking a very specific kind of spirituality that is of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm I'm belaboring this point for a good reason. We live in a city that is enamored with spirituality. And I I could be speaking to someone even here in this room who thinks, like, look, I'm, I'm into a bit of Jesus, but, you know, I also got my crystals on the side. I'm into a bit of Christianity, but I also like to, you know, I've got these other things that I sort of incorporate into my, my spirituality. And again, I'm not trying to bash you or incite sort of like hatred towards anyone. I just want us to be very clear that what we're talking about this morning um, it's a very specific kind of spirituality. It's a spirituality that that leads us closer to Jesus. Fair. So, our remote, our emotional response to that, and I said, you might desire the gifts, or perhaps you might feel very nervous about. What do you mean you, you prayed in tongues this morning? <laughs> what was that all about? And it makes you a little nervous. Now, here's how we might respond emotionally. We could try to quarantine the spirit. Pretty good at that these days. We could try to quarantine the spirit, or we can earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts and ask the Holy Spirit to teach us how to use them in a way that actually blesses other. That's the trick. How do we use the spiritual gifts that we're commanded to so earnestly desire? That's that's the key. Um, it's actually what Paul goes on to describe as the more excellent way. He talks about all these different spiritual gifts we just read through the list. And he's addressing some of the abuses in this particular church because the Corinthians like to get weird with their spirituality and they weren't super loving about it. So Paul says there is a more excellent way and that is the way of love. So desire the gifts but learn to use them in love. Another point on the risk of spiritual gifts. Everyone's been given a gift. Okay, we read that. To each one, you're given a gift. each one, a manifestation of the Spirit has been given. Awesome. That's good news. Hannah was kind of alluding to that this morning. However you came in, however dejected you might feel or worthless you might see yourself as, God wants you to know this morning that you are gifted. You're gifted. You have something of value to share with the world. No matter who has lied to you. No matter how many times you have been told you're worthless, ugly, stupid, unwanted, you don't belong, God will argue with you and insist that you are valuable. You're gifted. You have a gift. You have a reason to get out of bed in the morning. You are valuable in God's eyes and you're here for a reason to bless the world. You have a gift. And that means you are responsible. This, oh, this is controversial. You are gifted, which means you're responsible. Oh, no. You're responsible. You will be held accountable. Let me just say this real quick. Um, Someday, whether you die young or old, or Jesus comes back, we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of God. And we will have to give an account for what we did with the life, which is a gift in of itself, and all the gifts that we've been given with this life we've had. We will be judged according to what we've done with the gifts that we've been given. We are more responsible than I think we would like to ever imagine. We will be held accountable. So that's incredibly empowering. Um, and also a terrifying thought. When the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord, this at least in part is what the Bible's talking about. Our God is a judge. And we will have to give an account for everything we have been given in this life. That is a terrifying thought. And it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be. It's supposed to stir us up to awaken us, to perhaps even motivate us, to discover what are my gifts then? Because I, I, I want to stand before my heavenly father someday and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. I entrusted you, you with much and you, you used them. You used the gifts that I've given you. Well done. Now, now get in here. Let's have a party. That's, that, Jesus told a, a parable exactly along those lines the parable of the talents that we would all we would be entrusted with talents and we would be uh, held to account for what we did with them so that's part of the risk as soon as we start talking about spiritual gifts we realize I'm gifted i'm responsible oh snap i'm responsible okay there you go The last thing I want to say about the risk of spiritual gifts. Gifts can be used to build up or they can be used to tear down. You guys remember this past summer? You remember that, this past summer? You all blocked it out, (laughs) trying not to remember this past summer. Um, It was was a doozy of a summer. One of the things that I loved about this summer is that because there was so much... um, It was hard. It was really, really hard. Um, It was a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety built up. And you saw a lot of passion come out. It was incredible. Um, I love passion. I I don't like it when it's so much like directed at me in a hostile way. But just passion is, is I love passion because I often think, man, we just need to wake up. I need to wake up. If only I could just awaken my soul and 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 feel what God feels and and love the way God loves and 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 feel compassion and and even anger. You know, I think there's certain things in this world that we should feel angry about because that's a characteristic of God. He gets angry when he sees uh, his kids killing each other or 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 doing sin against each other. And so when When our passions come alive, we often see our gifts come to the fore. When people begin to get stirred up, um, you begin to see people maximize the particular way that they have been wired. Some of us in here, I love, I'll I'll brag on my wife. This is one of her gifts. She has a very, very strong sense of justice. Um, and at times, I just stand in awe. I'm like, wow, like, get out of her way. Like, <laughs> don't mess with her kids slash my kids. And it's, it's amazing. I, I see it as a gift from God. It's, it's a part of God in her. Now, at times, when I'm disciplining the kids and she doesn't quite agree with the way I'm disciplining her, all of a sudden that gift can be redirected directly at me. And I'm like, "Well, hang on a second. Like, I'm on your side <laughs> And it's that way with our gifts. Sometimes when we begin to get stirred up and our gifts come to the surface, and we begin to to act upon particular uh, gifts or even just personality traits, unique aspects of our being that are from God, it can get intense. And sometimes we can begin to use those gifts against each other. Paul goes on in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians, verse 25, he says, use your gifts in such a way that there may be no division in the body, the church, but that the members may have the same care for one another. This is the risk when we start talking about our spiritual gifts. We're all uniquely passionate about the things we're passionate about. I went race car driving yesterday. Where are you at, Adam? In the cry room. Adam, I'm going to brag on you. So my man Adam took me racing yesterday. I raced a car. Okay. Autocross. Check it out if you ever have the opportunity. So he's got this tricked out Miata, racing wheels on it, and we went out to someplace in Washington on an airstrip, and we raced cars. My man came alive. (laughs) I came alive a little. Um, It was intense. He let me get in the passenger seat, a couple of runs. It was time trials, doing laps, basically trying to, like, yeah, compete. I didn't do super bad. For a novice, first time ever racing, I actually did pretty darn good. Um, Spun out several times, which apparently meant I was trying really hard. But he came alive. I mean, he was like, this was this was a different Adam. I mean, let just make sure you don't get in this man's way when his passion is coming to the fore. Sometimes it's not that extreme. The problem with the church in Corinth, again, this is who the Apostle Paul is writing to, is that they had all of these gifts. And they truly earnestly desired to utilize these gifts that the holy spirit had given them only they were using them in such a way that the church was being torn apart people were getting left out people people were were going without people were not being cared for and so these great passions were 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 in use but they weren't applying the more excellent way that is the way of love. So that's another risk. Let's talk about how to determine your gifts. Have you ever taken a uh, spiritual gift uh, uh, like questionnaire or a survey? Those are kind of fun. I have mixed feelings about like how accurate they are. I, I think they're like like the Enneagram or these other sort of things that can kind of help you get in touch with, like, well, what am I good at? Like, what, who am I? And, and it, it can be helpful if you're into that kind of thing. Um, but how, what does the Bible say about how we discover our spiritual gifts? Um, well, the Bible doesn't give us a survey to fill out. That would be awesome if there was, like, an appendix in the back. Fill this survey out, and it'll tell you, you get tongues, you get prophecy, you get miracles, How do we distinguish, here's a helpful question, how do we distinguish between spiritual gifts and natural talents? Because you may have noticed I've been kind of mixing those categories a bit. How do we tell the difference? Well, here's all the spiritual gifts in list form. We read through 1 Corinthians 12, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy. That's not like Old Testament prophecy. That's, That's something slightly different. Um, Ability to distinguish between spirits, deceptive spirits, angelic spirits. Um, Tongues and interpretation of tongues. Those are all the spiritual gifts that Paul lists in 1 Corinthians 12, which we just read. Uh, Romans 12. This is another list of gifts that Paul gives us in one of his other letters. He lists prophecy again. He mentions service as a gift, teaching, encouraging, contributing. He's talking about financial contribution and leading and mercy. He describes these as gifts. Um, Peter, another one of the the apostles, the early church leaders, he has a list of his own. He says in 1 Peter 4, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, and whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. He has two gifts, speaking and serving. So either you got a big mouth like myself, and this is my gift to you, you're welcome. Or you serve, which in my opinion is probably the greater gift. I'm just saying. How do we distinguish between spiritual and quote-unquote natural gifts? My answer is we don't. I don't think the Bible does so much. You know the first person in the Bible to actually operate in spiritual gifts? Anyone know? It's the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 35. Let me read this to you quickly. Talking about the construction of the tabernacle, this tent out in the desert where God would... Would dwell and meet with his people. And it says that uh, the Lord called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and he was and he filled him with the Spirit of God, with skill, with intelligence, with knowledge, and with all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs to work in gold and silver and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and in cutting wood for work in every skilled. Craft. he was an artist. He was a craftsman. The very first person in the Bible to be filled with the spirit and receive gifts for the use of worship. How about that? Any artists in the room? Yeah, I love it. I love that God's given us um, a bit of a canvas that we're all sitting in right now. Are you feeling me? (laughs) Feeling something else. I love the thought of dreaming together, collaborating, using the gifts that God has given us in a way that we can create something beautiful together. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has something to contribute. Our building is still a bit of a work in progress. If you've not been downstairs lately, there's still a lot to do. One of these days, I'm just going to call it. Family work day. Show up in your paint pants and dirty shirts because we're going to get messy. And we're going to paint and we're going to sweep and we're going to mop and we're going we're gonna to finish this baby. So you've been warned. How, but how do you, okay, I didn't answer the question. How do you discover your spiritual gifts? I would say a few things. Number one, consider the gifts of others. Discover your gifts in community. Consider the gifts of others, but don't compare your gifts with theirs. This is really important because oftentimes we get gift envy. It's like me and my little brothers growing up. I was the older brother and my parents bought me the Millennium Falcon. Talk about using gifts to like fight each other. Touch the Falcon, you die. That's, that's, that's how it went down in my house. The problem was they wanted their own falcon. They didn't want the Millennium Falcon. That was like a generation ago. They ended up getting it and they destroyed it. Super sad. But everyone's got a unique gift. It's helpful to look at the people around you and be like, man, who, who, you've got an amazing gift. I love your gift. I wonder if perhaps I might have something like it. Don't despise your gifts. Paul, he talks about the body. He goes on in chapter 12 to describe the body as, well, the body of Christ, the church, as a physical body. And he has this very amusing little description of like the little toe can't say to the ear, I have no need of you. And the ear can't say to the mouth, go live someplace else. Like we're this body filled with all of these parts. And if, whether you're the little toe or you're the mouth. Whoever you are, you have a gift that is indispensable. The body that you've been added to, you're needed. You have a gift, and if you're hoarding it, stop it. Share it. Use it. Bless others with it and enjoy. Enjoy um, being utilized by God to help build his house. So don't compare, don't despise, do be compelled by compassion. A few minutes ago, I talked about how, um, how this summer we saw like a lot of passion come to the fore. It was a beautiful thing, but it got a little messy at times. Because sometimes we began to, to misdirect our passion against one another. That's called division. It's, it's painful, people get hurt. Um, But oftentimes our gifts come to the fore because of some irritation. Actually, it's, I discovered my wife's beautiful gift for justice, and she would get angry. And I'm like, wow, like you're, you really feel strongly about this. My, you know what one of my gifts are? I have an extreme eye for detail, I can walk into a room. And like, it's like, it's, I don't know what you call it, but almost in an instant, I can just see everything in the room. And if anything's moved, I'll notice it immediately. That's called being anal retentive. Okay. I see it as a gift. Others call it anal retentive. But I can see things. I have an extreme knack for detail. Now, if I'm not careful... I, I can use that gift against the people I love, i.e. my wife and kids. But I can get really irritated. So here's the thing. You can discover your gift oftentimes when something makes you really angry or makes you really sad or makes you really excited. When you get emotional about something, that, that can be an indication that's a gift. Don't just stop getting mad Ask yourself, what is it about this situation that taps in to a deep emotion? Don't suppress it. Don't just call it a problem. It could be like an indicator, like something on your dashboards lighting up to say, there's something here. There's something unique, something that's actually from the heart of God in you that's coming alive. What is it? What is it about this situation? Some of you, you, you look around and you, you see the world a particular way. and You notice certain things and it makes you so angry. I love, we had our ladies uh, day yesterday. I've heard it was great. I've just gotten a little bit of feedback. I love the way Casey Crane gets so passionate when it comes to women's uh, empowerment, women's right, just women in general. The idea that, that women are a blessing. And historically, yes, like we we live in a country and a world where women have been denied the right to vote, have been denied the right to express themselves as human beings. And that's not right. And I love it when a sister gets angry about that. And not to her, okay, now let's attack all of the men and start like a gender war. That's not helpful. That's division. But there's a passion there. There's an anger that begins to well up. And that's a pointer There's a gift there. There's a passion. There's something that God wants to do through that emotion, through that passion that comes to the fore. When you see injustice in a particular way, that could be an indicator that a gift is is lying dormant. Let's explore it. Let's make sure it gets utilized and channeled in the right direction so that the body is built up. That's probably, I would argue, one of the greatest ways to determine what's, what's my gifting, I would just say, oh, what are you passionate about? Now, if you happen to be passionate about something you're really, really bad at, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's figure it out. All right. Can I invite the worship team to join me up front, please? I told you I was going to tell you what the best, the best gift that nobody really wants. You want to know what it is? This is the best gift ever, and no one wants it. God's greatest gift was giving a son to suffer and die for us. That's the story of human brokenness and God's grace. It's the true story of hope for the sinner and justice for the suffering. And when we share our pain... With another, when we allow our vulnerability to be seen, when we confess our sins to one another, when we sit in our suffering, invite others in, and stand in hope together, that is quite possibly the greatest gift you can share with another your pain. God loved the world so much came down he sent his son to die for us to suffer and to die in my place and in yours so that we can be forgiven so that we can know we are loved and that we are accepted and i don't have to be afraid of being rejected by my father nothing can separate me from the love of god in christ because of who he is and what he's done for me And that was God's gift to the world. When I am able to muster the courage to share my pain with the people around me, when I confess my hurt or even perhaps the shame, maybe I've done something really, really awful when I invite others to come and sit in it with me. Not to solve me. Not to tell me what I did wrong as if I haven't figured it out. But to bear with me. To suffer with me. To cry with me. To hope with me. Maybe to remind me. I think as a family talk about giving gifts, the spiritual gifts. I'm down with all of that. The gift of prophecy, what a gift. What a gift. Speaking words of encouragement to each other. Healing, shoot. I'd love to see more of that. But what about all the in-between moments? We're just going about regular life. We show up to a place like this. And it's possible, if no one's looking, you may not notice the person in the room not more than 20 yards away from you with tears in their eyes. There's a gift there. There's a gift. Your pain, if you'll share it with another, can be an opportunity for the the family of God to truly be family together. It's a way of saying, I'm I'm, going to let you in. I'm inviting you to suffer with me trusting you, trusting Jesus in you. Sharing your pain with another is arguably the greatest gift. Of course, no one really wants it, but we need it. Jesus described it as joining in the fellowship of his suffering. It's part of the journey. Can we stand together, please? Our worship team is gonna lead us in a song of worship. And as we're worshiping together in song, be listening. We're gonna pause in a few minutes. Um, I'm gonna just let Hanna sort of feel that out a little bit. And, and at some point during the song, we're just gonna pause and the music's gonna play on. But I want us to just be still. ask the holy spirit to to speak to our hearts and if you're in here and you feel like the holy spirit is like kind of prompting you in some way maybe you hear like a what almost is like a whisper in your heart and you think it might be the holy spirit we're gonna have a moment where i want you to to share kind of like a like you would in a family you know this is what i i feel maybe like what God is saying to me and I want to share it with the family now. And you don't need to worry up too much about getting it right because we're told that when, when someone, uh, we call that what I just described, that's the gift of prophecy. And when we do that, we can all listen and then we can weigh it. If someone says something that's obviously not in alignment with God's word, then we can just be like, "Ah, I think you missed it that time. God, God bless you. Um, that actually rarely happens. If there's enough humility in the room, that rarely happens. But that's how we do it. We listen to each other. We share. This is what I think God is saying. And then someone shares and we weigh it. It can be an incredible way to build up the body. So as we're worshiping, we're not going to belabor it. We're only going to take a couple of minutes. But if you feel like the Lord is speaking to you, we're going to take a moment and we're going to share